0: welcome to another Bradley Basics podcast. Uh, I've got a special guest here. It's kind of a um, bonus uh, feature. I've got uh, Dr. Uh, Molly Craven. This is uh, Ed Cra- Dr. Ed Craven's uh, wife, and they're both doctors, and she uh, was willing to do a podcast here while I'm still hanging out with Eddie. And um, I don't know, how, how long ago did we meet each other? I mean, did... I think I just... I kind of met you at your wedding, I feel like. Is you that kind of what was? You absolutely did. Yeah.
1: You absolutely did at the... Well, the day before was when we met.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. So when did, you, when did you and Ed meet?
1: We met when I was a freshman and he was a senior okay. at Albion.
0: So you like we you both, like older men?
1: <laughs> we were both in the orchestra together.
0: Oh, wow. And What, so, what did you play?
1: Um, I was viola and he was violin. Okay. And so I thought he was too good for himself because he was a violinist and- they're all very, you know, uh, prima p- donnas.
0: Oh, yeah? Is that what it is?
1: And then even though we went to a really small school.
0: So you went to Albion as well? Yeah. Okay. So
1: even though we were at a very, very small school, I think there were 1,600
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, student body when we started, which is smaller than my high school. I graduated oh, wow. with a, I graduated, my graduating senior class was 820 kids. Oh, wow. So going to a school whose entire student body was 1,600 was interesting, but- you know, even at a small school, it's sort of like the freshmen are still the freshmen and the seniors are kind of still the seniors. All right. So I knew him, but then he graduated and I'm a junior, you know, three years later, two years later. Mm-hmm. And he comes back for homecoming. And we were at a homecoming party and he was at the teak house because he's a teak.
0: Oh, he's a teak? Okay.
1: And I ran into him, I was looking for-
0: You never invited me to any of those parties. I yeah, wonder well. why.
1: Because <laughs> he was probably trying to keep Serge from yeah. not getting arrested. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work in those days. Yeah, okay. Um, but we just met in the hallway and I was like, hey, I remember you. And he's like, I remember you. And I think we ended up talking for like an hour and a half. Wow. We just found like a corner and started talking and-
0: You remember what you guys talked about?
1: Well, he was in medical school at the time, so I was like, oh, I want to go to medical school. So I think I really glommed on to that. And he will tell you that this is completely false, and it is not. So that was what, September-ish, October? Okay. Because it was homecoming. And I think it might have been February, January, February. Mm -hmm. I am studying in my room, old school phones, no cell phones, right? Right, right, right. At this point. And somebody calls and he may have introduced himself, like he may have said who he was, but I really don't remember it. Okay. And for the first 15 minutes of the conversation, I didn't know who the heck I was talking to. I was just like panicked,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I'm like, keep talking. <laughs> It'll be fine. And then So you I never remember, said, hey, who is this by the way? No, oh. cause I like missed the window.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Right? You have like a 30-second window. So you didn't want to be awkward window, is what you're saying. And I missed the window. Uh-huh. And so I just remember it must have been 15 minutes or so. I just remember going, oh. And he's like, what? I was like, never mind. <laughs> like I figured out who I was talking to. And then we didn't actually see each other again. So I saw each other that October. We didn't actually see each other again until April of the next year. Okay. Right? So... I don't do math, but yeah, that many months later, we talked on the phone probably like every other day. Oh wow, that's that. cool.
0: What did you guys talk about? Just getting to know each other? Yeah, that's great. He was he, in medical school in Chicago. Is that he right? He was
1: in uh, no, he was at Case Western. Oh, in Case in Western. Cleveland. That's right. That's right. And so it was really interesting to get to know somebody when you didn't have any. That it was just over the phone. Mm-hmm. It was actually a really cool way to. <laughs> yeah, so you guys connected
0: mentally, right? That's that's oh, good. Totally. That's great and did you talk about like med med school stuff or
1: we did but it did turned, you go
0: to lb and to be a doctor
1: yeah i mean
0: did I, most people do that or no uh-huh.
1: i tech i really don't remember wanting to kind of be anything else
2: okay that's there cool. were
1: times in my life like i went through a couple years where i was like i am gonna be an astronaut really and then i realized that you really needed calculus and I was not strong at math and I was like, okay, well I'll figure out to be something different. But other than those couple years, that was really all I really remember being. Like the kind of running joke in my family is is that I wore out the Fisher Price Doctor Kit. Do you remember those plastic kits, play kits? No. Called the Fisher Price No, I don't Doctor Kit.
2: Oh yeah.
0: No, I don't know. They were little those.
1: briefcases, and they had little plastic, you know, temperature really? under the tongue, and you could pretend. How to give old were you when
0: you were working with those? I
1: was probably six. Oh wow! But I wore that stuff out. Like, well,
0: it's a similar similar path. Ed, Ed said. Ed said in his podcast that it was uh, eight. He was eight years old when he decided to be a doctor. That's I, what he said.
1: Yeah. So, I didn't have anyone in my family that was a doctor. Well,
0: your dad's a dentist, right?
1: My dad's a dentist.
0: It's kind of the same thing, isn't it? In a sense. Kind of the same discipline? I didn't,
1: I didn't think of it that way, mm. really. My uncle was a pediatrician, but he was just a little scary because he was huge. Mm-hmm. I was very small and he was very huge. He was 6'5". Oh, wow. Um, but I just don't really remember ever, I just remember just always finding bodies fascinating. The more I learned about them, the more I wanted to know. Cool. And I wasn't very strong in school. But the one thing that I was good at or that I felt confident in was talk to me about like biology, about how things work, about nature. And I was like, yes, this my brain gets that.
0: Wow, that's cool. That's so that great. What, what kind of doctor are you?
1: Uh, family medicine. So okay. our byline is we we treat you from cradle to grave. So we bring babies into the world, some of us. Wow. We take care of you. At every stage of life. Wow,
0: wow, that's great! And I think you were you what did forty two charts the other day?
1: Yeah. Well, I had to finish them.
0: Yeah. So basically, you like, so, uh, so I think I understand what that is. So basically, you 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 see a client, you see a a, a client, you you do an examination, whatever, and then you have to actually put it into a, like an electronic chart form. Is that is that what it is?
1: So yes, that's how you that's how you document to the world and to the people who pay you mm-hmm. for seeing their patients. Seeing, right? So that's how insurances mm-hmm. say, yep, you did what you said you did. Here you go. Okay. And it's a record of what transpired. So if is that some, like on a database? Right now, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was the last generation of physicians to be trained on paper documents. Oh, right. And just as I was finishing residency, we were transitioning to electronic medical records. So that was a really interesting. Transition. Mm -hmm. That was a a cool part of medical history to be a part of, was transitioning there. Um, And I miss paper every day. Really, um, it is difficult because I am so visual Mm -hmm. that I can't flip quickly back and forth on a computer screen Mm. between the things that i need to see and so for me that's been a little bit of a challenge but well
0: can you print some of those documents off and just maybe have them on the side if you if you need them
1: yes but you can't do that in the time allotted for that appointment oh if you were a patient said well do you remember that time when i went to see the ear nose and throat doctor and you wouldn't be able to see enough patients in a day Mm. in order to make that happen all
0: right all right all right that's interesting that's a little
1: challenging yeah yeah
0: so that's good well so um How do you manage being, you know, a physician and and being a mother as well? You've got two great kids. How does that, uh, how do you manage all that? I know your parents are near. They probably help. It looks like they help out a lot.
1: You realize early on that you cannot be everything to everybody. And you are either okay with that or it, or it eats you up. Mm. Like you you have to recognize that. So you
0: got to prioritize.
1: That you can't live in a bubble of, I'm the only one that can do everything Mm -hmm. for everybody. And you have to be able to say, you have to be able to delegate a little bit and you have to be willing to accept. Mm -hmm.
3: You
1: have to be willing to kind of accept help. You also have to be willing to say, this isn't what I was expecting. And I want to do something different. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, too. I think there's a lot of really unhappy people out there. I don't, I mean, I can only speak for physicians, right? Mm -hmm. But I think there are people who have said, well, I made this choice. I spent all of this time. I spent all of this money. There's a part of me that loves being a physician. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I can't do the things that I want with my family, with Mm. my children, and be how I want to be as a parent. Mm. And they feel guilted or stuck that they have to somehow keep doing what they're doing. Mm. And I go through these phases, and it's yearly. I go through these phases of things are going great. I have all of this under control. I feel like I have good resources for running a business and then being a physician and being a parent and a spouse. Mm -hmm. And then I go through these phases of like, this is not working well. I need to quit my job and be a full-time parent. So it is interesting how I think things, those external forces that sort of play into your world, the things you don't have control of Mm -hmm. will change for me on a, on sort of a cyclic basis and recognizing that that it's okay to go through these phases mm-hmm. and not need to do something drastic.
0: yeah, is that where you came up with your methodology if you can't be uh, everything to everybody? Is that one of the one of your techniques or, or are those are those down uh, well, those down was, times those moments of growth?
1: that do you think? Yeah, I mean it was I came up with that probably in therapy. Mm-hmm. at some point recognizing that um, you can't be everything to everybody. And in the generation that I was raised in, I was born in seven uh, January of 75. Mm-hmm. That was just kind of an expected thing. You were expected to sort of take part in Title IX and you were like, your mom or grandma or whoever was like, you have all of these opportunities that no one else had. And You should do that, but you should also be a mom and you should also be a spouse and you Mm. should also do all these other things. And so- A lot of pressure. The expectation is, is you should be able to do all of those things and do them seamlessly. Mm. And what it turns out is, is that no one can do that. Mm -hmm. And the people that look like they can aren't doing it by themselves. Right, right. And they're really not doing it seamlessly. They're just choosing to show you the parts that look seamless mm. at the time they're doing it. And I tell my patients this very regularly when we're talking about things like, how do, we, how do I help support you in your desire to exercise more? How do I help you in your desire to work on your nutrition or mm-hmm. drink less? Or how do I help you define your relationship with your spouse better? Mm-hmm. The answer to that I think is you have to be okay with the fact that you're doing the best you can with what you have yeah. in the moment that you're doing it. And it is not reasonable to be everything to everybody. That's not a thing, that's not attainable. And I think what's interesting is, is I'll have patients say, Well, but you know, you're skinny or you have this or you have that. And I'm like, No, because I come in here and I have a stethoscope on and I ironed my clothes. But guess what? I didn't iron my clothes. My mother ironed my clothes. Mm -hmm. I wear a stethoscope because I need it. It's just a kid at work. It's no different than me wearing an apron when I was a waitress. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. It's hard. It's hard every day to figure out how to do the things. I am a hot mess too. And I am very... I like to tell patients, like, I'm a hot mess as well. I just happen to not appear to be a hot mess when we're sitting here. Yeah,
0: because you're trying to be professional. Yeah.
1: Well, because they're there to say, you're my doctor. What can you do for me? Mm -hmm. But what I have found has been very meaningful in my practice is to say, I'm here to be a support for you and to help you figure out how to do this so it's less hard it's not about making it easy. There's these people come into my office all the time saying, well, they have this idea of I should be able to be doing all of this and it should be lovely and I should be posting pictures of the lake with me doing yoga on the side. And I'm mm-hmm. like, why? Why? Why?
0: why? Oh, because they see it on some other Instagram posts. That's why. Right. Yeah.
1: But helping them understand that reality is about – where you are and how do we make small, incremental, little changes to get closer to where we wanna be. Mm -hmm. There's just this thought like, everything needs to happen yesterday. And people are so overwhelmed with the thought of, I have to do it tomorrow. And not only do I have to do it, but I have to get an A plus on it. Why? C plus is great.
0: Yeah. It's like self-sabotage, you know? Yeah.
1: So I think helping people understand expectations, but that took me a lot of personal work. It took me a lot of therapy Mm -hmm. to understand that. I don't do things typically, Mm -hmm. right? You and I had talked about being two standard deviations sort of different.
0: Yeah, I think everybody's different. You know, it's big, you know, and it you know it's 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 bringing those differences together so i mean you you obviously have a very successful practice i mean you had 42 charts how many how many, how many patients do you see like weekly
1: well let me i'm going to sort of back that up a little okay. so before we moved back to Traverse City we lived in Lansing the Lansing area which i had an amazing practice and that was where i did my residency okay and I worked as an employee. You went to
0: Michigan State, right?
1: Mm-hmm. But I did my residency at Michigan State too. And then when I graduated and I wasn't an attending, I worked for Sparrow Hospital. And I was an employed physician. And so there are some amazing things about that. Mm-hmm. Like when you are an employed physician, you don't have to do the nitty-gritty, right? Like make the mechanical stuff work. People show up, you take care of them, and people tell you, do this or do that. You're part of this working robot, Okay, but you don't have control over how or why the robot works the way it does. When I moved up here, there wasn't an opportunity to work for a health system because at that time, there were no, other than urgent care, there weren't really any hospital-owned family medicine groups. Okay, And so I had this unique opportunity to join a private practice group. And I watched my father, who is a dentist, run his own dental practice for 40 some years. And the one thing I said was, I never, ever, ever, ever wanna run a business. That was always, what if when my parents argued, that was always what they argued about. It was always about how the practice was run. And I was like, I no. I just want Like what to, about
0: like him having to work extra hours or something like that? Or
1: No, no, no. That's that's about the practice of mm-hmm. dentistry. It's about, well, why are we hiring this person and how much unemployment are we paying for this? And oh, okay. you know, it was the nitty gritty of running a business, right? Like Everybody had to account for every receipt ever. And mm-hmm. those were stored for years and years in the basement because we might get audited by the IRS, right? I mean, <laughs> and as a small child, I didn't yeah. really understand it, but all I knew was that didn't look like any fun. Right, right. I saw the things that really motivated my dad and really f- kind of filled his you know, proverbial sort of bucket mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. in terms
1: of what excited him about dentistry. And it was not running a business. Mm. And so when I had this opportunity to move up, we knew it was going to be better for our family overall. But yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, well, going to give it a try. I think the th- thing about that is, is you don't know what's on the other side of the fence, right? You know, the the grass is greener on the other side of, the, yeah. maybe the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. I think that you don't really know that and you don't really know what's going to happen when you jump the fence but you jump it anyways
3: right
1: and so i joined a private practice and then i was a locum tenens meaning that i was like my own business and i was a part of another one and i did that for two years and then i had an opportunity to purchase this business business with two other the with two other physicians so now you're
0: running your own business
1: and so I came together <laughs> and I was like, wow, I'm doing the thing that I never said I would do. But the reason that I backed up to tell you that is, is mm-hmm. because there are really amazing things about not running a business.
0: Like when you're in uh, East Lansing, you just, yeah, just when show up. Yeah, I was up,
1: in Lansing. But what do turns out home. is mm-hmm. you get very frustrated because people whom you don't know and who don't know you and don't know... What you're doing or why you're doing it, come down and say, you need to see this many people. You need to make this many RVUs. You need to do this many things in this quarter, or we're not paying you. Oh, wow. But nobody ever tells you why, right? So there's not an understanding. That's part of like, there's a robot, and you're part of that robot. And yeah right? You're part of that machine, but you don't really understand how the machine is run or what part you play in that machine. And so I had the opportunity to sort of understand, oh, that's why I have to spend more time on my charts. Because if I do X, Y, and Z, then that means the insurance company can see that I'm doing this part of my job. And therefore- I get appropriate monetary reimbursement. Mm -hmm. There was no one to ever tell you that. Now, it was really stressful when I first started because I had to learn all of that. How
0: long have you had the private practice?
1: Um, That was October, I think October of 2017. So we started um, 2018. So we're in our second year. Mm. How's it going? Amazingly well because... I, by luck, by chance, by providence, whatever else you want to call it, I managed to find two other partners and we all have different strengths Mm -hmm. in different areas, which means somebody's really good at numbers and loves them. Somebody else is really good at setting up like processes, right? Like Mm -hmm. we need to make a way that everyone does this. And then someone else is like, yep, I'm better at kind of communicating and, you know, like human resource kind of end of things. Mm-hmm. And because of that and because we all are communicating with each other in ways that are effective, then it really works. Yeah, it
0: sounds sounds like you're doing a great job. Sounds it's great. It's really stressful. Yeah.
1: But I'm glad that I did. But the the thing is, though, is, is that you don't, really know what you're getting into until you get Mm -hmm. into it. And you're not going to be able to say, I like it or I don't like it. But I think the most important thing I've realized about this whole, you know, I should quit medicine and be a mom, or I should do this and do that, right? Like Mm -hmm. I should make some big pivot. I should jump over the fence to the other yard. I think what I've really realized is it's not about is the grass greener on the other side. It's just sort of about the dog shit is in different locations.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, good way to put it. It's sure. It's not about are things better. Yeah. It's about where are the stressors, and do you need the stressors just to change? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Because sometimes you can function better because either maybe you have better supports for those stress mm-hmm. stressors in your new position or that kind of thing. But I don't really have. I've never had the experience of, oh wow. Yeah, it's amazingly better over here, and man, I don't know why I didn't do that before. And I, I, I really think that that's—I don't know where this whole thing came of. Somehow, life is supposed to be without struggle.
0: Right? Oh no, there's struggles in life all the time, and that you know, like I was telling the Ed, you know, you see that little emoji, that skinny little kid. You know, the struggle's real. You know, I mean, that you know, you, you know that and it's true. But no, I think it's good. you know what? That's good. I didn't. That's, I, I love the insight. And you know what I like is the empathy that you have towards your uh, patients and that you, how you're trying to be a part of their solution to what they're trying to do to better themselves. You know, that's going to – that's very good. A lot of patients are going to come there, and that's a very, very good thing. So, all right, like 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 we've talked a little bit about Bradley Basics. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm just doing, um, you know, a series of interviews of careers, and obviously you're a marquee one because you're a physician, and so is Ed. And, you know, we're just going to go through um, – you know, your career path journey. So we were just doing a little warm up, get a little feel for what you're doing. And I just have a series of five questions, you know, sure. very, very basic, you know, uh, um, uh, when did you pick, pick the career that you did? Like when did, it looks like you were six years old with the, the doctor, was, yeah, the doctor pack. Little. Yeah, the doctor pack.
1: I was little. Um, I was And you not, had an uncle
0: that was a pediatrician, you said?
1: I did. I was mm-hmm. little and I struggled in school. School was not easy for me, mm-hmm. but I also recognize that I...
0: Did being a doctor kind of keep you going? Wanting to be a doctor, kind of keep you pushing through the the struggles? It made me
1: realize that if I worked hard enough, Mm -hmm. I could do it. It wasn't a lack of intelligence. It was just I had a very difficult time showing what I knew Mm -hmm. in a traditional school format. Okay. But if I worked really, really, really hard... I was able to do that well enough that I kept going. And it was one of those things where I realized I'm not good at being the fastest or the strongest, but what I'm really, really, really good at is never giving up. hmm And I just- Tenacity. Wanted that. Yeah. And I was gonna figure out a way and I was gonna ask enough people and I was gonna work hard enough and I was gonna figure it out.
0: Yeah, you did. That's great. It's impressive. Very impressive. Go. I mean, did you have a coach or a mentor along the way? So many. Like probably your dad, right? I talked to him last night and boy, he's he's gonna be a part of the Bradley Basics. He wants to be a part of it. Yeah. You know? He's he's yeah, he gave me a bunch of books. I'm gonna yeah, he's he does he was doing it for the, the dentistry. Yeah.
1: He's the yogi. He Your
0: dad's awesome.
1: He is who I as I mean, I I don't wanna say that I don't aspire to some of my mom's traits too, because that's mm-hmm. really not fair. But, you know, professionally, especially, he's who I aspire to be, and I am definitely really empathic like he is. Mm-hmm. And so some of our struggles are the same in that way. Like there's just kind of a subset of empath struggles that I see it that I saw him um, struggle with. and but he was such a leader. In so many different ways, to his patients, to his family, and so I just I strive every day to be like him in the office and out of the office. And the biggest compliment I can get from former patients of his mm-hmm. is, "Oh my gosh, you're so much like your dad." Really? Like that is the <laughs> biggest compliment. That's I can awesome.
0: Get. Yeah, you're. I, yeah, I mean, I met your dad at the at the wedding, and um. I just, I really couldn't, I couldn't, I was really excited to see him again yeah, and, you know, spend some time with him at, you know, he's got a obviously a sweet pad over there. You look out on the water and stuff, you know? So yeah, he's, he's top shelf for sure. So him and I, he wants to be part of the Bradley basics. So I'm going to, he said he would be honored. So I think I'd be honored too. So, um, all right. At what point or stage, uh, of your career? Did you pivot into your current role? I mean, you were working in, uh, in East Lansing, right. You know, kind of with the robot network and then you pivoted into this private pack- practice, is that just yeah. moving up here.
1: You know, yeah. And the, and the thing is, is that I loved the people that I worked with mm-hmm. at my practice in Mason, Michigan. It was amazing. I loved, you know, one of my mentors actually was my colleague at the time. Okay. And it was just, it was like the best office slash professional sort of family you could have created mm-hmm. it was just in the wrong geographic location and that was such a huge struggle and my kids were the la- first kids to be dropped off at daycare and the last kids to be picked oh, up oh yeah i was we were on the road by 6 45 in the morning and we didn't get home until after seven o'clock at night yeah yeah and then every weekend it was how fast can we pack so we can go up north?
2: Yeah, yeah yeah
1: um, and it was wonderful to have my sister in East Lansing as well and it's still awesome to have her there. but she had her own family right. she was raising and mm-hmm. so it was really tough. That was a really tough um that was a really tough decision to make. Mm-hmm. but it ended up coming down to where do we see ourselves? 15, 20, 30 years from now. Yeah, yeah. And as much as we loved Lansing, it wasn't really, it wasn't where we wanted home to be.
0: Yeah, so it's more of a family decision, which is pretty impressive. You know, and you have it here. I mean, this place is unbelievable. It's, uh, you know... It's it's really high end. That seems to be the running running joke that everybody uses my terms, but it really is. And then you've got your your parents just down the road. So oh, I think I think Bradley it's you got this high end. Yeah, you got that private practice. I you, you you guys are doing a really good job. This is extremely impressive. Um, well, what what uh, what work are you doing to stay and thrive at your current role? I mean, you're you're uh, one of. Uh, three partners in a practice, are you going to do any, uh, you're gonna do some more, do any time management work or, you know, help help you out with some of these uh, struggle moments that you were talking about?
1: So I have to work on figuring out how to be, how to be able to communicate with my patients while being more efficient about finishing my documentation while I'm doing that. Because that is my massive downfall. And it's so funny, like father, like daughter, we love to just sit and talk and the paperwork and the documentation just feels like it gets in the way yeah, and yeah. so it's figuring out a way for me to be able to better integrate those two things so that I'm not so exhausted all the time i mean you know i but i left yesterday at 7:30 in the morning i got home at 8:45 in the yeah, evening it's late night. Yeah. and you know i you, you look spent I mean that' I you being done yeah. with what I need to be done with mm-hmm. and so that's where I really struggle is is that if I could if I can work I need to work on efficiency
0: well it's I mean is it is uh, is there, could you get like a, a physician assistant that someone has the pedigree to be able to do the doc the documentation or does it have to be done by you?
1: No, it doesn't and then you then you're looking at well you can hire what's called a scribe. Okay. Which is the person that sits there and types all of the things that you're talking about. And then you have to look at what is the financial investment into that. Okay. Versus your payout at the end of it, right? Mm, right. So right. does it make financial sense to do that? And I don't know. Our problem is is our practice is physically, the building is so small that we just don't have room to put extra people. Mm. Like I if I hired a scribe. Where would she go when we weren't seeing patients? Right, right. I don't have a physical location to put this person. Mm. So, yeah. So that's kind of. Well, my how do you do it now? You, I,
0: I, I saw it like sitting down. Just what is it, you have like an audio thing that you, so you call does, into or something. He
1: does dictation. Mm-hmm. Um, our version has dictation, but it is not transcribed by a human being your computer transcribes it so it's very it tends to be a lot less accurate okay. and then so you, you have to like edit it and stuff editing yeah it. and so in the long run it just doesn't end up saving
0: time for me interesting interesting well i'm sure you'll figure it out i'm sure you'll figure it Working out for sure it. yeah yeah all right um you know yeah here's the you know the last question like uh if you could do it all over again would you change anything And we went over this question earlier. You said it might be, uh, you know, you had some thoughts there on this one, but you know, it's just. Uh,
1: this one I could probably talk to you for an hour about. Okay. I think that the biggest thing I would say is I would want to go back and help my younger self understand that you can't judge Yourself, and you can't beat yourself up mm-hmm. about stuff you didn't know you should know.
0: Okay, that's fair.
1: If you didn't realize X and you went and did Y, what possible beneficial result are you going to get from just emotionally battering yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I do X? It's just that's not helpful,
2: right? Right.
1: You make a decision. You go down that path, but the big thing is: is is this path that I'm doing helpful? Mm-hmm. How do I feel about this path? And is it is it really what I thought it was going to be?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, you know that that could be a moment where there's an awareness. There's a rec- uh, you can recognize that moment and have enough. Um, Maybe that'd be a moment for a mentor, or somebody like yourself, like yeah. like someone. If someone, if there was a young, young, gal, young gal that was getting ready to do some, get in the medical world, and maybe had one of those moments like that, would be consulting with someone like yourself or like your dad or somebody. Maybe it could help them get that get to go down that right path with their with Absolutely. their experience. You know, and
1: you segue beautifully into ask me about did I have mentors? So many. My dad was great, but he was my dad. So right, sometimes exactly.
0: Sometimes you don't want to talk, you know, you want to talk to people I can in talk your own accord.
1: It's interesting because there are a lot of things I can mm-hmm. talk to my dad about, but there's other things where I'm like, I want to be like you, but I can't talk with, about that with Right,
0: you want to be your own person.
1: Which is interesting. Manage your own but business. I think to that same thing is, is that in my life, there were mentors who were put in position to say to me, when I look at how things are going for you. Mm -hmm. On the outside, it does not look like things are going well. I want you to trust me when I tell you this is what I think you need. Mm -hmm. And I think the ability, if you have a person that you meet that feels like a mentor, that has proven themselves with integrity. Yeah. Yeah in how they act and how they behave, right? Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, well, I have to do it this way. And they say to you, you know, it looks like from the outside, things are a big struggle. I need you to trust me and I wanna tell you, maybe you should try and do this a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Can I help find you a way to do it differently? I can't stress enough. How many times in my life that has been helpful mm-hmm. and has made massive differences in bringing me like clarity, both professionally, personally, mm-hmm. all of those kinds of things. And has helped me see that just because I think it needs to be done this way doesn't mean it does. Yeah, yeah. So that's where mentors have really,
0: well, yeah. I mean, it, for me. I don't know if you get, you know, you're really busy. I get it. But if you ever get a chance to listen to some other podcasts, I talk a lot about results. When I work with people, I'm not, you know, a doctor. And when I work with people, I try to get people in on the result that everybody agrees upon. And then I build in, uh, you know, how we do it on the back end, and, uh, you know, that generates motivation and people get things done. And if people are open, to, but not everybody's open to that, you know, kind of like not open to suggestions. They want to do it their way. And,
1: they they have this idea yeah. that this is the way it's going to work. Yeah. Yep. And I think if you recognize, and it could,
0: yeah, you could work that way. And uh, but yeah, you have to realize that, like like what you said before earlier, that you're, you're you you can not be you know somebody to you know everybody. You've got to you've got to work with people. It's 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 more of a collective group that gets things done, and, and it's more powerful, I believe.
1: You can knock a brick wall down with your forehead. It may not be the most efficient way, and it's certainly going to damage you.
2: Right, right. There
1: are other ways to do it. you have to be open to listening
2: mm-hmm.
1: to other people yes. who have gotten over or gotten around or gotten under the brick wall.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right? like Yeah, exactly.
1: It's great that you're motivated or you think that this is what you mm-hmm. want. But if at the end of the day, you don't feel capable of having a conversation with your significant other mm-hmm. because you are too tired you might be damaging yourself trying to knock that brick wall down yeah, with your very
0: well said yeah yeah very well said well that well that's good i mean um so like w- would you ever would you be opening to would you be open to if somebody had a question If there's if a young person wanted to become a doctor, would you be open to talking to them?
1: I'd be open to questions for anybody who wanted to be anything. Okay, cool. It's you know, I, I think the thing that's really challenging is is I can only come from the perspective that I have. Mm-hmm. And while I and I'm just I'm gonna say that. I am not, I don't, I don't feel aggression. I don't feel, um, sorry, I'm having word finding difficulties. Um,
0: Like when you're trying to help somebody you mean or or give somebody advice?
1: I don't feel resentment Mm -hmm. about the fact that I grew up in a world where things were male centric. That Mm -hmm. was how they were. Yeah, yeah. And that was considered acceptable. I don't necessarily feel resentment toward that. Mm -hmm. What I try and do is understand how the narrative that was given to me as a child, that narrative can be different Mm -hmm. and you don't have to be the narrative that somebody wanted you, that somebody told you about as you were growing up. The the caveat to that is, is the narrative now, which is so overwhelming is, you can just do everything and be everything.
0: Oh, so it's kind of went way over to the other side. Exactly. It's got to get more on the side. The
1: narrative of you don't have to do everything and be everything. And it's okay, right? Mm-hmm. But it's nobody's doing it to you. It's understanding how you find your voice mm-hmm. to tell the world what you want, what you expect, and what you're hoping for. Yeah. And that's kind of what I
2: hope. Well, you you know like you're through well. that
0: wall. You're on the other side. You're through that wall. So I mean, you 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 got yeah. a very good you got a very good uh, a very very good perspective and insight on, on a lot of a lot of stuff. I've, there are lots of know.
1: walls on the journey. Mm-hmm. There are walls that I've knocked down, and I've been very damaged by those walls. Mm-hmm. But there are walls when I'm running into walls now. I'm learning to step back and look at my options. Yeah. Before I attempt to get- wisdom. Around them. It's wisdom. And so that's part of that, right? Like mm-hmm. looking at that journey and looking like, maybe I don't want to cross that wall. Maybe I just need to take a different path. Yeah. And I think that that's really important to recognize too, that power of saying, maybe I actually don't really want what I- thought i
0: wanted yeah that's yeah it's powerful well hey that's that's great so um all right well hey this concludes uh, another bradley basics podcast i i appreciate you taking the time dr molly craven and uh and you know i hope everybody learned something from a real powerful woman here uh, ed craven's uh wife and f- another doctor i mean this is uh this this place i'm in is just full filled with intelligence so over and out Thank take you. care thanks for your time